0: your heads with me just a moment, please. Let's talk to this living Lord Jesus one more time. Thank you for your willingness to draw us, Lord, draw us to yourself, your invitation to come, the way you stir our hearts and minds to take note of you, to desire to be with you and to listen to you. So, please, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. But please be seated. Page six in your service sheet is the narrative describing Lazarus being raised from the dead. This happened the week before Jesus himself was resurrected. And in this action that he took, actually in that miracle exhibited the same power that the Father in heaven used to raise him, Jesus, from the dead. It's as if the way John has set the gospel, there is this miracle introducing us ahead of time to the miracle of Christ's resurrection. Chapter 11 of John's gospel is all about this miracle. And it begins with, Jesus being aware that Lazarus is ill and on his way to dying. But Jesus, instead of rushing on to Bethany, actually tarries because he's got a bigger picture in mind than alleviating the immediate problems of the family who were heartbroken. That would be Mary and Martha, and then their friends. They had quite a circle of influence. And they were really close friends of Jesus. And one of the remarkable things that comes out in the Lord Jesus, in the way he presents himself, lives his life, is this. That on the one hand, he is Almighty God. Early in this conversation, he says, I am the resurrection And the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he speaks of himself as having this power, himself being the resurrection and the life. And he knows that in tarrying to go to be with Lazarus and the family, that the end result is going to be that power that he has as the resurrection and the life to raise Lazarus from the dead. But on the other hand, while he conveys this awesome power which is his, his humanity, what I would say of him being the consummate man, that he's not just all head and truth and dominance and leadership and about the glory of the Lord. But what you discover is he's in touch with himself, with his feelings, and those of those around him, the feelings of those around him. So the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35 of this chapter 11, Jesus wept, knowing who he was and what he was going to do and the outcome at the end. As he sees the suffering and enters into the suffering, the anguish, the longing of those around him, people close to him, he weeps. So when we get to this passage now, it begins with these words. You can find them, by the way, on page 6, in your service sheet, in your hand. Verse 38, Jesus... Once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. So he's arrived at the tomb of Lazarus and is deeply moved. He is not a distant, austere, all powerful, remote God, he is moved deeply as much as that's described here it was seen to be true so not only had he wept at seeing the sadness of people in the death of lazarus he is still as he makes his move to raise lazarus himself deeply moved he seemed to be moved he's Able to express his feelings, which so many of us struggle to do, especially us men. And here he is, Jesus, the consummate man, both in touch with the truth about who he is, in touch with the power that is his, and with his feelings of compassion for those around him who are suffering the loss of a dear and loved brother. What it tells you is this, that the caring Jesus is driven by an internal compassion and sense of feeling and anguish along with those for whom he cares. He is not oblivious and he does not distance himself from our pain and from who we are, Because what we see in this face-to-face with Jesus is not just Mary and Martha, but you and me, ourselves, that he knows and identifies with, knows what's going on, feels that pain, and while he has power to do as he would choose, in his timing, still, has that heart of compassion. He is in touch with himself from the intellectual to the knowledge of the truth to his heart. That is, his feelings. He knows who he is. Oh, that we did. To be tender. To be able to so empathize that we can suffer with enter into the pain of others. It's one of those awesome things about our God. He is God Almighty. He has power to raise the dead. And He cares about the likes of you and me and the things that go on in our lives. Interestingly, when things don't go our way, we are not unlike Mary and Martha and even the crowd. I just want to take you back to verses that are not included in your service sheet. Verse 21 of John 11. You have Martha, who's gone out to meet Jesus. Mary having stayed at home on this occasion. And Martha says when she gets to Jesus, who's making his way to Bethany, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's almost like saying to the doctor, if you got here a bit sooner, my mother, my child would still be alive. It's almost like she's putting Jesus on a guilt trip. No sooner does Jesus come into the presence of Mary as well. She says exactly the same thing. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse 37, just ahead of where your narrative begins. Some of them, the crowd who'd come around, who'd seen Jesus sweeping and said, see how he loved him, Aware of his compassion, that Jesus who could be deeply moved, even they said, "Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind? He who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?" So you've got three iterations of people just like you and me saying, "If only. I suppose in effect they're saying, if only you'd been on my timetable, done it my way, things would have been different, Lord. How often do we say that? How often is it our sentiment? Well, I can tell you one thing absolutely for sure, okay? You can never put God on a guilt trip. He knows what you're thinking, he knows what your needs are, he has compassion toward you. But inasmuch as he's not on your timetable doing what you want when you want it done to whomever it is, he's not sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I let Paul down, I let Peter down, I let Mary down, I let them down. He knows what he is up to. And what it really amounts to is that he wants to exhibit in all that's happening the glory of the Lord. Look at verse 40. This is in your service sheet. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So verse 41, He took away the stone, He said. Take away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, as if to respond to their complaints, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Can you catch the drama? They've rolled away the tombstone Martha's already said, the body is decomposing. There's going to be a horrible odor. The old King James Version said, he stinketh. It doesn't mellow it out with a nice word like an odor. People are standing around, and Jesus yells into the cave, come out, Lazarus. Can you see the quiet? They're watching. Who shouts into a dead man's cave, tomb? And as they watch, you can almost hear the gasps because Lazarus comes staggering out, all wrapped up in those grave cloths, strips wrapped around him, the piece around his head. He's coming out into the light a dead man back to life walking and again quoting the, G- the King James version it says loose him and let him go here it says take off the grave clothes and let him go loose him let him go so they unwrap him And there's Lazarus. And this was such a remarkable thing. The word got back to Jerusalem and crowds were coming out from Jerusalem to see the dead man now walking, coming to the house. It was one of the driving motivations of the religious leadership to get rid of Jesus because it was like the whole city was going after him. And it became one of those things that precipitated an even deeper earnestness on their part to get rid of Jesus. His power to raise the dead. Now let me just take symbolically what we've seen here. Because this is a statement both of his power in life and his resurrection power coming out of death himself. For you and for me. When we get to know Jesus, it's like somebody rolled the stone away and said, "Harry, come on out." And we come out living spiritual beings born again spiritually. It's like from the dead. C.S. Lewis puts this in one of his writings in this way. He says, when we have this experience of coming to life in Christ, it's like we were in a nightmare, in the middle of a nightmare, and woke up out of the nightmare into absolute ecstasy. From death to life. That's what happens when we yield our lives to Christ. But I tell you, some of us are still like a dead man walking, sort of in the grave clothes of a past life. And one of the miracles of Christian fellowship is not that we have to get those grave clothes off ourselves, and sure enough, the Scripture does address us about putting off the old man, the old woman, the old lifestyle, the old habits of speech and thought Yes, it does, but Christian fellowship is where we help each other get rid of that garbage that's been tied to our lives, that has become a part of who we are, so that we can become a different kind of person. That's why we continue, and maybe why some of you still resist to get involved in a home group, a small group, to get too close to anybody else. You don't want them to discover your stinking grave clothes. I know that. I've got my stinking grave clothes. Some of you still need the stone to be rolled away and to hear Jesus say, come on. It's like you've got big obstacles and little obstacles. The big obstacle to the raising of Lazarus in the first place was there's a Great stone rolled across the face of the tomb. Jesus said, roll it back. Out comes Lazarus. Now you've got these smaller impediments. He's wrapped up. He's alive. We've got all this stuff. It's no wonder Paul writing to the Corinthians about running the race that is set before us to lay aside every weight Everything that impedes our progress, he says, and he describes that as the sin that clings so closely. The grave clothes. To get rid of them. And for us to help each other as we grow up together in Christ, to get rid of them. Not just by pointing the finger, but by coming alongside and by example, by prayer and caring exhibit a life that looks more like Jesus, as well as helping people understand what their potential is if they would but do something differently, go in a different direction. I've had people very important to me assist me by those corrections, admonitions, and encouragements to be a different kind of guy and the same is true for you and that's what the family of god is for so we here we are this day wanting to become more like the people that jesus died for to get rid of the huge things between us and him and all the little stuff that's between us and him that's an ongoing process man came up to me in the uh, commons. He'd gone and bought a life-focused New Testament for someone. Most of you know what that is. If you don't know, I'm not going to describe it. But a life-focused New Testament he had bought for someone. Wanted me to sign it. Here's the story. A woman he knew from years ago came up to him wherever he met her this week and said, what on earth happened to you? Because he'd been a raging alcoholic and she knew him then. He said, I got to know the Lord and he set me free. She was stunned. He was a different man. He said, and he spoke about reading this New Testament every day and how it blesses him. And he went and bought one for her and had me sign it for her because he wants her to have that same experience. I don't know the whole story. I don't know if she's still got the great gravestone in front of her tomb right now. Or whether she's just all covered up with the old grave clothes of another life. But here is a guy who knows what's happened. In his life, somebody else has seen it and it in that wonderful way that AA-related, Alcoholics Anonymous-related guys and girls have, they do get into each other's lives, into each other's stuff, and help one another get by it. And that should be true for all of us. What the Scripture talks about is our comforting others with the same comfort wherewith we have been comforted. What God has done for us, for us to help happen in the lives of others. So this encounter is multifaced. You've got Mary and Martha and the crowd and Lazarus. The miracle happens to Lazarus. The rest are witnesses despite their trying to put Jesus on a guilt trip. And they're all amazed. And they're all in awe and wonder at the power of Jesus. And for you and me as we move on into this Easter season and the rest of our lives, let that be the case. We're on a journey together. We're going to be saying farewell to our dear Helen Reddy, One thirty, pretty much following this service. Kinda. I see it's six minutes past twelve on the clock at the back of the hall here. I encourage you to be at that service, but we are saying farewell to somebody who knew how to weep with people who are weeping. People have told me, since her going home to be with the Lord, that they would call and talk with her, and she would weep on the phone with them. She wasn't just facilitating, caring exhibitions of kindness, she felt the grief and the hurt. And the same miracle that was in Jesus was in Helen. She was in touch with her feelings, as well as being in touch with people and their feelings and their needs. Every Friday nearly, Helen Ready would take a group of women that she would select to have lunch at the Christie house down in Siwickley a dining room associated with St Stephen's church in an old historic building helen reddy would often be there with others that she had invited she wasn't just a professional in the office doing her job She was a real-life person out there among the people. For Jesus' sake, doing not her job, but his. Loving people. We're going to miss her because so many of us do not have that same, tender touch. But that's what God wants to create in us. Let's pray together, shall we? See Jesus coming to where you are some of you still have the stench of the old life about you. And you're aware that Jesus knows that old aroma. And you know that he died for you? And he died that you might walk out alive and not live the life that was once yours, but a new life? If you want that life, it's available to you with Jesus. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, all his wondrous compassion and purity. O thou Spirit divine, all my nature refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. That's our prayer, Lord Jesus. Amen.